Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I was just talking to the guys as they exited here, and I was wondering if uh, maybe because of the, the assets and the leverage and all the picks that they've accumulated because they've been entertaining losses in the past. You know, I'm going to really stick it to folks every t- every chance I get regarding that. But no, l- listen, I sit here thinking and hopefully that there's going to be some, oh, wow, coming up later on this evening. I gather so far your thoughts on, on the work that has been reported regarding what the Pacers have done are not that popular. I will tell you this. I can sit here and tell. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if this is all a part of a Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan diabolical scheme and plan to get better in the now. You know, if you notice what I have to say, it's always about getting better in the now. I'm okay with being great down the road. I don't think you always have to grow according to how others have had to grow. I've always been, to me, of the opinion that if you can grow quicker, then grow quicker. I know what you're saying. Whoa, wait a minute. You talk about all the time with your kids. You don't want them to grow up too fast, right? But I'm not talking about my kids. I'm talking about a basketball team. If you can expedite the growth chart the process, you know, whatever convenient adjective you want to use, then do it. And that's not me sitting here saying, well, go out there and just freewheel it up like crazy and make deals and do stuff and and have it crap out. But I don't think there's anything wrong with suggesting if you can maneuver a little bit and get better. If you are ahead of schedule, then be ahead of schedule. Because people have been waiting around for a while, and people were waiting, really, they were cool waiting around even longer. You were almost like waiting to wait this time last year. And you're going off, what have they done for you lately? In terms of drafting, I'm assuming with the first two, certainly, with Matherin and 
with Nimhart, you feel pretty good about the future within the Pacers with those two, then so be it. It is just funny, the last two days with these reports and, you know, all these picks that so far the Pacers have accumulated, they are dwindling. (laughs) But you knew that they were going to. I think you just hoped in more profound, exciting means. But you knew they were going to do stuff like this. You knew they had to do stuff like this. But I can kind of understand how so far that has affected you. You I can understand with this deal today that's been reported with the Lakers and the Pacers, the 40th overall pick from the Pacers to the Lakers. Lakers are going to send 47 and then some cash considerations. You're not altogether that thrilled about cash considerations. I know, I get all the, so what are they doing? Going to add a chess king somewhere? The cash considerations. It doesn't necessarily have to make sense right now. But it needs to make sense at some point. They can't talk about it right now. I mean, the deal is just floating around out there being reported. But I can understand from your standpoint where you're you're kind of waiting on the excitement. I mean, you're kind of waiting on it. It's like the end of the Sopranos. I've been watching some Sopranos episodes, and I still love the end result. Some people suggest, well, you know what? You just like that final episode because you were always a big fan of Journey and Escape and Don't Stop Believing, which is now you know incredibly overplayed. Um, that probably played a role in it, but I still loved it. And a lot of you are suggesting this thing is probably going to go over kind of like that. You're just kind of waiting around, waiting around, and then they're just going to do what you thought that they were going to do, and really not much more. Not a lot of drama to it. And I'm not suggesting that you're inaccurate. Because it has been talked about both locally and nationally that they have all these options, and this is what they're going to do. And so far, you've seen them move back. You've seen them move out to next year at the end of the first round, and you've seen the word, on this ta- really in this case, the term cash considerations. So not a lot to get incredibly thrilled about, but I would advise you that right now it doesn't matter. We have to be able to map this out and have it make sense for the positive in the future. I know that sounds lame, and I don't care if you still want to make fun of cash considerations, do it. What is it, 4.35 in that neighborhood, million dollars? If you want to make fun of that, make fun of that. If you want to send me tweets about that, send me tweets about that. But this has to be a part of a plan. And you can't be just, well, you know, we got too many players right now because you knew you are going to have too many players. And then you knew because of all these first-rounders you were accumulating, or all these picks in general, right, you were accumulating, that something was going to have to be done. And I know that they can't help. They can't help both nationally and locally when we have talked about this ad nauseum about being a very exciting time, or at least the possibility looming that this is going to be a very exciting evening. There are just a couple of chances it may not live up to your expectations. But again, I would advise that it doesn't necessarily have to live up to your expectations of a thrill a minute later on tonight. 
but at some point it will. At some point we're going to look back at this and go, all right, was all this entertaining losing worth it? May not make sense right now, but it's going to have to make sense at some point. You know, why you're doing this for the betterment of the team. But that's where we are right now with yet another reported deal today. This one involving the Pacers and the Lakers. The swap of a second rounder and then the cash considerations. You move back, what, seven picks? You move back seven picks, which is is going to be somebody that's going to be going back and forth. If you, who knows, they probably won't even use that. So to be honest with you, I was going to say somebody that goes back and forth in a two-way contract, but they probably won't even use that later on tonight. That's my expectation. Number seven, I guess, is what we're going to concentrate on. Walker, Hendricks. I just told the guys as they were exiting, here's what's going to happen. They're going to end up getting uh, the Thompson twin that that falls, like Asar Thompson. They're going to get the Thompson twin that falls. And I know that he didn't work out for them. We talked to yesterday uh, the vice president of player personnel, Ryan Carr, was on the show in the 5 o'clock hour, and I actually asked him directly about that. He said that didn't work out, but they, they had talked with him. They know enough about him. Now, I know for you, you younger people out there, the the uh, incredibly forming young talent that's 6'7 and 205 does a lot for you. I've never seen the dude play, and he's 6'7 and 205. It doesn't do a great deal for me. Like, Walker does a great deal for me. Walker looks like, all right, this guy is ready and good to go right now. I'm not suggesting playing at a high level. But giving a growing team reason to put him out there on the floor and not to sit on the bench. I can't lie. I mean, a year ago, that's one of the things I loved about Matherin. There is no doubt you felt as if in the myriad of choices that maybe you thought they had, which, by the way, they didn't. I mean, it was a foregone conclusion where they were going to go. But regarding Matherin, that's the one thing that stands out more than anything else. They always talk about Shane Steichen, right? He's all ball. And all he cares about is ball. And all this other stuff comes up. All this other stuff happens. The Isaiah Rogers situation. Well, you knew he wasn't going to dive into that because he's all ball. I know that wears you out a little bit. But if there's somebody else around here that is also just like that, it would be Benedict Mather, and he does not care about anything else but performing in the game of basketball. I mean, nothing else. Handshakes and throwing love after the game, he might go over if he's playing against a former teammate at Arizona or maybe somebody he knows from Canada. But in all likelihood, after a loss – After a win, whatever, he's going to head to the locker room. I dig that. I mean, you can tell that he is here, and he is here for a reason. I'm not suggesting that we know really too much about a Hendricks, about a Thompson, about a Walker. And maybe we all just kind of go, maybe somebody like me just goes to Walker because you've seen him play a lot more. You've seen him play for Houston. You'd know what he can bring to the collegiate game. You haven't probably seen three minutes of Thompson, either one. 
I don't know how much you've seen of Hendricks. But in this case, I just 6'8, 235, yeah, strong, be able to add on both ends. I'm not looking for huge minutes, but man, you know, a reason to stick him in a rotation, a reason not to have to set him on the bench and say, hey, it's a learning experience in his rookie season. Another reason why you love both Matherin and Nimhart a year ago, they got the on the job training. And had some great moments. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. That's all I'm looking for. And maybe Taylor Hendricks gives you that with the shooting ability. It seems like to me when you look at Walker, and again, I'm sure that I'm I'm biased because we've actually seen him play at great length. You kind of look at what he he has ready and the whole ceiling that you're going to hear ad nauseum later on tonight that's going to wear you out. So that's where I am with number seven overall. If that's going to be where they stay, if they're going to draft, and even if, and listen, I'm just going by what people talk about. I saw Thompson. If he were going to be there at number seven, that is going to be a steal for somebody. And maybe you're passing up the next big deal, but I, I like the more well-rounded nature, even at the age of 19. And Walker doesn't look like a 19-year-old. I like the more well-rounded nature for him. And it, by the looks of it, can be somebody that can be rotational. Give you something right now, again, without a reason to have to hide because, well, he's a young player, he's a rookie, and he's working into it. That's what I want to see out of this. I don't want to see somebody hiding and then never, ever come to fruition. It has done it has done Pacer fans good to see this team on the floor reap the benefits of two really strong selections last year. I want to see more of that. I think Walker gives you that potential more than the others do. But again, as I mentioned, I'm biased because I've simply put seen him play more than I have everybody else. Unfortunately for me, and I say this because I can't stand Kansas, but unfortunately for me, I've seen Grady Dick probably play more than any of these guys. There's no doubt he can shoot. But as far as number seven overall, and ready-made, in my opinion, to be rotational without having to hide and wait and see. I'm sorry. I like the dudes that you draft, especially when you draft them high like this. I like to know that they can go out there and play. I say this all the time about Anthony Richardson. I'm all for bringing him along cautiously yet optimistically. But I don't want to envision the bummer if they deem him unable, unready to go in week number one. The fourth overall pick. That is your long-term future. And I know the future is not now, but if he's not ready in week number one, then when over the course of the season will he get himself ready if he's not in there taking a majority of the snaps and you're not a believer in him at the outset? Sure, there are a lot of reasons to really downplay that particular angle, but that's my angle. 
And I know this is sounding simple, but that's probably exactly what I am. So it's my wheelhouse right here. If you're going to make mistakes, you want to see those mistakes made out there. They talk about this process all the time, the process of learning. But at least you are deemed worthy enough to be out there in that situation. And that's what I hope for regarding the Colts quarterback and Anthony Richardson. And that's what I hope for for number seven overall, if that is the draft path that the Pacers take later on tonight. I don't know if it's going to cost you further down the road. But if somebody that's ready right now, somebody that can be rotational, somebody you don't have to hide, and then somebody that's going to help you even further down the road, that's the right pick to me. That is the right pick. Somebody can help this team both sides of the floor. I haven't evaluated his entire defensive package, his defensive philosophy compared to the offense, but he looks like a guy that strength-wise can handle a lot of things right now. Now let him handle it. That's the guy I'm going with, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, over the course of the afternoon. You guys can chime in at 239-1070 whenever you desire, and uh, we'll talk it up. I just want tonight to be exciting, but I want it to be exciting for a reason. I want you to be able to see there are so many different times that a year ago you saw the potential, you saw that evolution right before your eyes. You know, coming off a year ago in the draft and what you felt about that, you know, getting it right. I know you don't know about Kendall Brown. I'm just talking about the first two right now. I'm talking about both Matherin and Nimhard. They got those guys right. If what you saw in their rookie seasons is what translates into growth. Now, I know you can say, well, that's what we thought about Duarte after year number one. And then, and now look where he is. But it looks like after their rookie seasons, these guys were legitimately strong selections that will play a role within this organization and on this roster for years to come. It looks like they got that right. Got to add to that tonight. Uh, Hopefully they're able to. Uh, Get your thoughts on who you believe they should select. Anybody going to slide might it be an oh wow evening or maybe not so much living up to the expectations which are lofty? Because oftentimes you don't hear the Pacers talked about in such terms. They have been talked about a lot nationally because they have had, quote, so many options. Now, you know, these options are somewhat dwindling. And then the translation so far is, you know, a first rounder at some point, probably around what? Middle 20s, next year, a first-rounder, I guess you can call that. Leverage, draft capital, whatever. But I want a winning philosophy also built as a part of this. So we'll see how much leverage, we'll see how much interest that the Pacers gather as far as tonight is concerned. Hopefully so. People have asked me, well, how important is this evening? considering what everybody has talked about so far leading up to this. Uh, It is important for them to maintain making strong decisions. 
they went through a period of time, honestly, a period of time when the decisions weren't so sound. We know about that. We've talked about that. Continue to make sound decisions. I know, I know. They got incredibly lucky regarding DeAndre Ayton. I know. Sometimes when you're good at what you do, though, the good fortune rides shotgun with you for whatever reason. And sometimes when things aren't going well, then other crap happens at the same time, right? That is my hope. That is my hope that they are in a place right now where the decisions are sound. Thus, this team is coming along a lot quicker than what what we thought, what they thought. We talked about that yesterday with Ryan Carr. If you missed it, the podcast is at 107.5thefan.com. Got breakdowns from Ryan, by the way, of all of those, especially those that the Pacers brought in on a singular workout basis. And as I mentioned, also clarify the story on Azar Thompson and what happened with that. So a lot there if you want to double back. That is a 107.5thefan.com, and you can check it out from yesterday. And again, I, I do want to give a shout to Ryan for coming on because there is not a whole lot that he's allowed to say. And then I ask a bunch of stuff that I know that he's not going to be able to answer, but, but holishly, I ask it anyway for the sake of the show and for you. And I'm sure I don't altogether put him in the greatest of positions, but you know what? He gets through it, comes on, and I appreciate that more than they know. Yeah, I know I'm sitting there going, what about this? What about that? Full well knowing that he's not going to be able to answer it. But we ask anyway. But no, 107.5thefan.com if you missed any of the conversation yesterday then you can uh, slide in there and check it out, especially check it out before the draft coming up later on tonight. Evan Sidery of Basketball News will go over all of what is going on, all the rumors. If there is one thing, and I've mentioned this before, about 90% of what we end up talking about is just straight BS. 90%. Seriously, and, and this is nothing against, what's the guy's name? Jake Fisher of Yahoo. He has got names and reports and all this stuff going on. And I don't know, if you would do a check on all these rumors he drops in, there is no way my man is batting 30%. No way. But as I mentioned, it's a part of the conversation, and it is. It's a part of the allure of a draft in general, but certainly at the end of June and the NBA draft, it's a part of it. We end up talking about a lot of stuff that has zero chance of happening. Uh, today you got the DeAndre Hunter from the Hawks story of conversations between the Hawks and the Pacers, and uh, evidently, I think that was Jake Fisher too, right, of Yahoo, evidently that conversation running aground, going away, uh, it's probably BS. A lot of this is incredible BS, but I love running over all these rumors, especially when it pertains to the Pacers. And Cidery's up on everything here. Cidery is up on everything. And I still got to run through all these Miles things, too. You would think that had gone away by now. Why is everybody living in the past? <laughs> living in the past like it's like the last five years. 
when anything was ever mentioned about the Pacers, it always led with 33 going someplace else. Evan Sidery is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. J.J. is going to be here. It's been a while since Jeremiah Johnson of Bally Sports Indiana, Pacers pre, halftime, and post-game show host. Uh, we'll talk about some of those needs and the level of excitement that we should have and uh, maybe even on the other side of that, the level of letdown that you may end up getting. Let's just face it. There has been a an amount of conversation slash hype regarding this draft in terms of the Pacers, unlike we have seen in a while. I know last year it was the highest that they had drafted, what, since Rick Smith's? It was back to, what, 88, 89? So I know last year was a big deal, too, but you, know, you talk about when nationally they start talking about uh, the draft capital and the leverage and what all these teams are doing to try to converse with the Pacers to see if they can put together things to benefit themselves. And the Pacers being a very important cog in that situation, I don't know if it's going to live up to those expectations. Hopefully you don't have to double back to cash considerations. I know there's a cash cap going on here so hopefully you don't have to live up to the cash considerations but again we'll go back to that if this doesn't work out then we'll poke holes into all right so all this entertaining losing stuff it came out in the wash as question mark what Uh, right now we'll see if it is a part of a larger plan a scheme i think i'd rather it be a scheme i'd like to see the pacers scheme on people out there Not a plan, but a scheme. All right, we can hit that up. 239-1070 inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I see you guys lurking in there. That'd be fantastic if you guys want to jump in, too. We have tickets to give away later on today. It's a JMV show down at the Brown County Music Center, month of September. I want to thank Christian and the gang down there for putting this together. Richard Butler, Psychedelic Furs, and the band Squeeze. If you like 80s New Wave, this is a wheelhouse twin bill. Psychedelic Furs and Squeeze. We'll do that when you hear a re-entry song from either a little bit later on. I'm telling you, that's going to be a fun time if you have yet to attend a show inside Brown County Music Center. Don't leave me hanging on this. All right, latest on the Warriors and Jordan Poole and Chris Paul. Chris Paul is going to be a future Hall of Famer that will play for every team. When does he play for the Pacers? Chris Paul ever going to play for the Pacers? Get to that deal coming up in a little bit later on as well. All right. Big show for you there. I mentioned Jeremiah Johnson, Evan Sider, your chance to win. We will talk draft leading up to the draft. And, of course, a lot coming at you tomorrow, too. Bobby Marks, good for tomorrow, we believe. Trying to get him in. Financially speaking, Bobby Marks nationally, because he's actually run an organization. He's run the Nets before. And then obviously locally for you, Tony East did really good. He crunches numbers that I don't even want to fathom. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think about all those rules and all those numbers. I don't want to think about a cap on cash considerations and why it was 4.35 and why that matters. We just want to know what player they get and who they get to move forward with. But guys like Bobby Marks, 
And certainly Tony Easter locally, they provide a service that uh, most of us probably don't really truly want to deeply understand and dig the info. Uh, Bobby Marks tomorrow. All right, quick break and we shall return. Some of your calls, 239-1070. Again, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll run across that that warrior deal regarding Jordan Poole coming at you in just a minute as well. The HD radio is really good sounding inside your ride. If you have that capability, check it out. We sound clear, awesome. It's HD radio. The stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, maybe it is fantasy. Fantasy sports, fantasy basketball, and thinking about what can be done in this draft. Talking about a lot of this, a lot of this not coming to fruition. Think about the past year if you're Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, who is a good, certainly a lot better than average NBA player, guard for the Golden State Warriors, uh, last year got jacked in the face, got punched by Draymond Green, and then they, after this Golden State practice, evidently somebody leaked out the video to the world. So now if you want to Google Jordan Poole, probably the first thing that pops up is getting jacked in the face over and over again by Draymond Green. Then you go through a season where by Golden State Warriors levels of expectations, probably not at all what they want. The general manager bails, Bob Myers, Mike Dunleavy Jr., somebody you know around here very well as a player, steps in. Warriors trying to find a way to make it back. You know, make it back to the uh, NBA Finals. And evidently, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, I mentioned this deal before the break. Now, the Wizards are finalizing a deal to send Chris Paul, whom reportedly they just recently acquired, to the Golden State Warriors for a package that includes Jordan Poole and future draft assets. See, that's the type of thing you want to see. You want to see an already established, good-looking player, and then you want to see future draft assets tagged along to it. Think about if you're Jordan Poole. We'll see what happens with all this, right? But you have all this go down in the past year, and now you get dealt out of town to the rebuilding Washington Wizards. Thank you very much. Skivvy says there's no way Jordan Poole can be happy about that. I cannot imagine. Now, again, he's going to be getting paid, paid handsomely. Yeah, I'm assuming there in Washington that's basically going to be his his squad or he's going to be the deal there 
at least as it stands right now. But, man, what a bummer of a year right there. I bet you he's a huge fan of Mike Dunleavy Jr. Thanks a lot. What a year for Jordan Poole. Yeah, we shall see once again. Yeah, Pacers traded pick 40 tonight to the Lakers. For pick 47, you're going, wait a minute, that's seven seven places worse than 40, right? So what's happening here? Well, they also get cash considerations. And according to Tony East, $4.35 million in cash from the Lakers to the Pacers. I have no idea with how that is going to be utilized. I, I guess anything, mostly anything. Cash considerations, everybody. It's from Josh. Hey, JMV, I don't get it. Why is the Miles and Heald rumor starting back up? I thought that was all over with. Is there really a chance they could get traded? All right, here's a couple of reasons why you hear this, Josh. Here's a couple of reasons. One is it always seems like the Pacers are looking for a reason to deal Miles. The other is a lot of these rumors that have surfaced regarding Miles are coming from Phoenix to where they want so badly to unload that bad contract and somebody that's been a malcontent for them and DeAndre Ayton, and they know that there has been a high level of interest here in the past because he signed that offer sheet last summer. So I just happen to think a lot of those rumors regarding 33, they are hatched from the desert. Now, the other aspect of it is he has an incredibly reasonable contract. Got a two-year extension during the season. He can shoot to three. He can play some D. And you saw his numbers on the rise when he finally got to work with a point guard that is at an elite level in both passing and scoring. Not just a willing passer, but an elite-level willing passer. And for Heald, you know that contractually it's going to be over and you're trying to, to see what you can do. But no, for the most part with Miles, that is the reason why. Yeah, mostly what you hear about Miles Turner is coming from Phoenix to where they feverishly are trying to unload DeAndre Ayton. And you almost did last year, and you're thinking, all right, well, let's go back to the well again. Greg asked me this. Does trading 40 for 47 make you think that they aren't really going to do much tonight? Um... No, it's not so much that at all. I'm just kind of making a lot of that as far as you know, people that have sent me tweets and emails and such are going, oh, well, this is what all this draft capital does, right? This is fun. Cash considerations. And as I've mentioned, to, to me, you have to wait and see what all of this and how all this evolves as a part of a plan because that's your expectation here. But do I think, and and I think that that's probably, if it doesn't live up to expectations, you would have to blame us, for example. Like locally, you listen here every day and we talk about how, you know, you have all of these assets you have working, all this flexibility, and teams are going to be coming at you. 
And then you hear nationally that the most interesting team, arguably, in tonight's draft could be the Pacers because of all of those assets. Again, assets that I guess they still have, but have been reported to be dwindling with back-to-back deals and back-to-back days. I just think that there's a good chance that we have all overhyped this thing in general. I think there's there's always a chance at that. And as I mentioned, too, we end up talking about about 90% of this stuff never happens. And all these good, juicy rumors never happen. I, for one, I would love to see them go out and go forward in some fashion tonight. And I've mentioned this in the past. An already established player, an already established wing, like the, the DeAndre Hunter rumor would be great. Any OG Ananobi rumor, great. I just have to see it to believe it. When it's said and done, you may just be sitting here and talking about tomorrow just how you know, major it was to draft number seven overall. Now, they still have, obviously, still have ways and means to maneuver around. I just... There has been a a long-term conversation about this where there are a lot of high hopes about what this team, what this organization can do in this draft. And it's been from us, and it's been nationally, too. And rarely do you ever hear the Pacers in this situation mentioned nationally. So that's something new, too. The The expectations are lofty, and I just don't know if the night will meet the expectations. I hope that it does. But I don't know that it will. So Jim McCann writes this, absolutely, your approach is to throw rookies right out there and let them grow from their mistakes. Now, that's very true. I think when you draft, for example, if you're the Colts, you draft your future quarterback in number four, wouldn't you be disappointed if he's not ready in week one? Aren't you disappointed with that? But that's all I'm saying. Like, there was no disappointment in Matherin, no disappointment whatsoever last year. That dude came in, and he had that fire lit. And you can kind of see, and you can also see that this dude is going to continue to work. He looks like somebody that's not going to be satisfied. He looks like somebody that's just not all into all this other stuff that's going on. Got a single-minded focus. And he got in there, and, you know, you found things out. He had, I mean, especially early on, I mean, it was like lights out. Oh, wow. And then he started, you know, going through that phase where things, they were adjusting, things weren't going well. He started to get into a lot of dialogue with the officials. You can tell when you go to games that the officials were kind of tired of it. And you adjust from that. I think everybody was happy the way that the Nimhard fit in. I mean, played a, a variety of positions. And I thought fit in fine with this group. Last year was good. So you're just hoping that they can play off of that. But I like the fact that those two got that on-the-job training that I hope that you see from Anthony Richardson. You know, if he messes up, he messes up. I just don't want to hear that, well, you know what, for his own safety, because he's so far away from being ready, that we don't feel it advisable to put him out there. I don't want to hear that. I hope that we don't have to hear that. 
And the same holds true. I just think when you draft that high, there are a certain amount of expectations. You, you're going to wait for the consistent production, I would assume. You're going to wait for the higher level of play. But if you're making the call that for his, his safety that he's not going to play because he's not ready, that would be a tough one that you would have to explain before the start of the season. Not suggesting that's going to happen, but I said the same thing about you know where you're drafting at number seven later on tonight. That's why I like Walker. Walker's a dude that looks like that he, just by strength alone, is ready to go and ready to be rotational. I don't know how well he's going to play, and I'm sure he's going to make a variety of mistakes. But I just don't want to have to see because you have you know a full roster. You know, well you, you can hide him at the end of the bench until you're ready to use him. I kind of just want to see these guys ready-made and rotational and learning as quickly as possible. I just don't think there's anything wrong with that. Chad writes this, so the Pacers are always going to Pacer in the end. Aside from Matherin, what draft has this regime ever gotten right? Well, I think that everybody was pretty satisfied with the last one. I think up until this past year, everybody was happy with Duarte. He did not have that type of year because of injury or otherwise. And now, obviously, his name pops up all the time in deals. Um, If you're going to go back further than that, then you're going to be disappointed. If you're going to go back to the Goga stages and that, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you're going off of what evidently was an altogether new philosophy, in rebooting this thing and what they did in the draft last year and what they're trying to do right now. You know, their vision of bringing in Halliburton and how these guys have played, especially 33, played off of Tyrese Halliburton. I think you have to be happy with that. Now, again, it's not like they're reaping the benefits right now because they didn't make the postseason. But I think you have to be happy with the path that they're presently on. More so, for example, than you were a couple of years ago. Quick one, we'll come back. You got your calls and more. JJ's top of the hour. Evan Sidery in the 5 o'clock hour. Got your chance to win a JMV show. A couple of tickets to go see both Squeeze and Psychedelic Furs at Brown County Music Center. Again, Jordan Poole. Reportedly, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, from Golden State to the Washington Wizards. Hell of a year. (laughs) You know, sometimes I know it's easy to just say, well, he's getting paid all this money. He's going to be fine. He's a talented guy, competitive guy, getting paid all this money. He's going to be fine. But it has been a rough year to be Jordan Poole. Thank you very much, Golden State. Thanks to whoever floated out and leaked that video of me getting jacked at the beginning of the season. And thanks a lot now. Wizards and Golden State reportedly making a move. That and more coming at you on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Don't go away. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 
Ride with JMV. Coming up, our conversation. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. JJ's going to be here top of the hour. Thank you for joining us. Seven Saturday basketball news, all these rumors. 90% of them will fall flat, but we like talking about them anyway. Sidery drops in at the 5 o'clock hour. Your chance to win as well. Chris Paul to the Warriors for Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, I'm sure, is thrilled. Uh, the Pacers moving from 40 to 47 by virtue of a trade with the Lakers. And what do they get for that seven selection drop is $4.35 million in cash considerations. <laughs> Cash considerations. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah, Rex wrote me this. So are the Pacers moving down for cash to use that cash in another deal to improve the team or maybe one of the malls? No, I mean, you can use it any way you want, right? I wish we would have a resurgence in malls, though. And not because the Simons have ownership properties that are malls, but just because I'm I'm always, I've grown up, I was a mall person. And not because I went in there and just flashed cash around and bought everything. I just walked around in there all the time. Walked around. It was like a social experience. Walked around, talked to chicks, had them hold their nose up and go, would you get away from me, clown? I mean, all those experiences. I would not be me today without all of those mall experiences. So, so I wish at some point that there would be a resurgence. Unfortunately, you all know what's going to happen there. But I love the mall. Matthew in Maine is going to drop in here before the top of the hour break. Matthew, the steak outstanding i've yet to go after the lobster or the scallops but that is on the agenda the weekend menu is going to be that all right that sounds good see i told you we make good steaks I didn't i had no idea that i needed to go to maine for steaks I had no idea i knew i knew about the lobster obviously the seafood I had no idea about the steaks that's well done thank you I don't, you're welcome we make a lot of stuff here now, I, um, you know, obviously Shawshank Redemption was not you know, filmed in Maine. It was filmed in Ohio, but it involved the state of Maine. So that always be close to my heart, too. So a lot of things. Steak, Shawshank, lobster. I like Maine. Uh, thank you. Matthew in Maine. I like Maine. Yeah, it's a pretty great state. <laughs> what do you got, Matthew? All right. Uh, on behalf of the lounge, I was sent to call you. It's Lick's birthday. But Lick blocked Gritty because he's soft, so I need you to get in the lounge at some point. Oh, so hell. Lick, he's soft. All right, so hold on a second. We got a little soap opera. We got a little drama manufactured inside the lounge here, do we? We do. Oh, all right, then. Um, all right, what do I need to do? Do I need to get in there and uh, lay down the law? Yep, just tell Lick he's soft. All right, here, hold on a second, man. I'm in there right now. I end up, see, I end up putting a D instead of an L all the time, which I think sometimes is more appropriate than others. But, yeah, um, lick, lick your soft. (laughs) There it is right there. I'm going to lay down the law inside the lounge right there. So what's happening? I've missed the drama so far. My bad. What's happening? There's not a lot 
going on in there? We were just talking about the Pacers and whatnot. I don't know what Lick blocks Gritty for. I must have missed that. Uh, we can't have Lick blocking Gritty, and I'm waiting on Haas to get in there because he wants to fire everybody. At what time does Haas get in there to fire everybody? So everybody's going to get fired. Like Kevin Pritchard's going to get fired. Buchanan's fired. I'm fired. Everybody's going to get fired. Yeah. Uh. It's, it's ironic he's always late to giving out those pink slips. He better not be giving one to McConnell, though. He's my favorite player. I know. I'm a big McConnell fan, too. Again, Matthew, thank you for the care package, and uh, it is awesome. And I'll see see if I can hold a little court inside the lounge here, get everything straightened out. All right? All right. Appreciate it. You got it, Matthew. Thank you very much. See, sometimes I got to step in inside the lounge via YouTube Live. So, lick. Now, this means nothing to a lot of you that aren't in there. I apologize for my short-sighted thinking right here and content. But apparently Lick has blocked Gritty, and there's a little drama going on inside the lounge. Look at James just jumped in there, too. Um, I get a blank you, JMV. <laughs> that is not all too unfamiliar. Blank you, JMV. Hey, I'm sorry. You can't be a baby in there. Get Haas in there. I didn't know you could even block people there. That just popped up there. I'm all the time. I spell stuff wrong. Quick break. We'll come back. JJ's going to be here coming up on the other side. By the way, too, if you want to get inside the lounge, if that sounds fun to you, uh, you can go ahead and log on. That's YouTube Live, The Ride with JMV. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. JJ next, Evan Sidery, 5 o'clock hour. Tickets to win, hour two. It is a draft day extravaganza. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Remember, mum is the word. Certainly, but I'm... Mum. 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 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Evan Sidery, basketball news is going to go over all these rumors. The latest report, and I guess we'll learn will be factual at some point, is Jordan Poole from the Warriors to the Wizards for Chris Paul. And Chris Paul's bid to play for every NBA team before his Hall of Fame playing career is complete. And to even further, to even further make Jordan Poole feel awful. It's not like it's been a great year for him anyway, right? And then now you're getting traded to the Washington Wizards. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Mike Dunleavy Jr. Was that your first move? No, actually, I guess... Well, I guess that would be the first move because it was Draymond Green that declined the extension. So this would be his first move. Mike Dunleavy Jr. taking over for Bob Myers. That first move is to blank over Jordan Poole even more. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, apparently there's activity going on. Do it. Get, get in there. A little draft conversation. 
little controversy. Lounge via YouTube Live. I mentioned uh, Evan Sidery coming up. That's in the 5 o'clock hour. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, I think he played, did he play one season in OKC and then kind of lifted that up? Seems like he always goes someplace to where they're on the verge. And then with him, they become relatively quickly no longer on the verge. Pacers draft overall number seven later on tonight from Valley Sports, Indiana. He's a friend of this show. He's Jeremiah Johnson. So where are you going to be watching this extravaganza this evening? I'll be uh, rubbing shoulders with Pacers fans and season ticket holders, Midtown Carmel. So uh, we'll be watching on the big screen, and we'll get the instant reaction of whether they approve of the pick. Why do we got to go to Hamilton County all the time? Why is that? I don't think that's accurate. I think they had a draft lottery party at the uh, back nine downtown Indianapolis. Yeah, when have you, when you guys be been to Morgan County? When, when have you, when have you been there? I know that. <laughs> when, when have you been to Johnson County? When have you been to Rush County, Shelby County? Come on. Hey, what is Midtown, by the way, in Carmel, JJ? Uh, it's probably the area that's near downtown, very close to downtown Carmel, actually. And I'm not an expert on Hamilton County, so you're asking me a question that's a little outside of my area of expertise, but it's right on the moan on there. It's the Sun King uh, complex, I'll call it, in Carmel. Is that where they? Uh, is that near that shop where they freeze the ice cream right there? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I said I'm not an expert on Although the uh, ice cream already should be frozen. I think they do it differently. See, that's what happens when I, I I can't recollect the name of a place. I explain it, and then unfortunately explain it rather badly every time. My bad. <laughs> that's okay. So Midtown and Carmel, Pacer fans, season ticket holders later on tonight. Uh, what do you gather? And do you think, I'll give you a great example. And I'm sure you've listened to us a little bit. Um, and certainly been listening nationally. Uh, this is probably the most the Pacers have been mentioned as far as, well, they could be a major player in this draft in a long time. Do you think that we have all kind of overblown what ultimately is going to happen later on tonight, you think, to a point to where, you know, maybe tomorrow morning you're going, well, wait a minute, this didn't live up to expectations. And I'm not suggesting they're going to do the wrong things. I'm just talking about the level of expectations a lot of Pacer fans have regarding tonight being an oh, wow, that may, because the conversation has been so hefty, may not measure up. Yeah, I, I, what I would tell Pacers fans is I think I'd lump the next three weeks together before you decide whether it was worthy of an oh wow because I do feel like uh, you're going to have the ability to get someone that can really impact the team over the next you know seven or eight years in this draft, but it's not going to be the only thing that the Pacers uh, work on doing over the next two weeks, whether it's trades or whether it's free agency. It's a little bit different situation than last season when you had the sixth pick you had that uh, early second round selection and you probably had an idea you weren't going to be a major player in free agency that you were going to try to build with some younger players. I think there's an acknowledgement um, from the front office, even in listening with them to them talk at the end of the season that they need to get some experienced players as well as some young players. So um, because they have those options, because they've got a high pick and because they've got a team on the rise that's pretty much a unanimous opinion around the NBA. It is the reason why there's more attention. But what I'll say is don't at midnight tonight decide, 
that wasn't a good draft. That wasn't a good night because it could be all part of the bigger picture. Jeremiah Johnson, with that level of reality, reality-based conversation that is necessary right here in the 4 o'clock hour on Draft Day 2023. JJ's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen these guys. I'm sure you've just talked with them after that workout. So I don't think you're allowed in there either to see these guys work out. And I may be a little bit of a lean walker-wise because I've seen more of him than I have basically anybody else that has been mentioned there. But I will say that I do live in a reality in terms of what I like about him. He looks like, uh, um, among the guys that have been mentioned, somebody that looks ready-made for, at the very least, rotational minutes. It's not like somebody you're going to have to wait and see and hide on the end of the bench for a while. He looks like, body-wise, he's good to go and go in there now. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. How about you? Jairus Walker of Houston. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's an acknowledgement of the position that the Pacers need. You're never going to say in a position they're at that you don't take the best player available. But if all things are equal, you're going to probably look at that 3-4 position. And so he does fit that category. But I don't think he's the only one. And it's really interesting because of those guys, if you're mentioning and bringing up Jairus Walker, Cam Whitmore, um, and then you look at, let's go um, – from Central Florida, Taylor Hendricks. He may not be there. It's hard to say where he'll be at this point. Uh, Those are all guys that can play that position. Maybe one defends a little bit better than the other. Maybe one's a little bit better shooter than the other. And maybe uh, you're not going to get a complete package necessarily. But what is most important to the Pacers and whether they could see those guys fit right in and be contributors. But I think in terms of uh, being a good playmaker, a passer, and uh, just from what you've seen from being ready-made, Sure, Jarris Walker is someone that you definitely um, would not be disappointed with if you drafted him at number seven. Yeah, I, I, I like that. What, what, what necessarily – you follow this team more than obviously anybody uh, being a part of their games and most of their practices. What do you think is necessary for them to improve from what you witnessed a year ago? What are some of the necessary attributes that you're looking for out of this draft, much less number seven overall tonight? I think defense is important, but you also have to consider that you need playmakers down the line. So I think this summer they need to improve defensively, but you're not going to just automatically say, let's take the best defender at number seven. But if you're going into next season, you have to do some things that get you better on the defensive end of the floor. Rebounding is something I think we probably talk about in at least every other conversation that we have had over the last, you know, seven or eight years. And so that is something that's important from a three or a four or a guy that you're going to draft and, and potentially see as maybe a starter down the line at that position. And then I think you can never have too much shooting. Maybe there's some uncertainty with some of your veteran shooters. Obviously, you're you're happy with Buddy Heald, and, and Tyrese Halliburton has shown as a point guard he can stretch the floor as well. But what happens if Buddy's not there at some point? Do you where Where is your shooting coming from? So I think those would be the three things that I would say continue to work on improving defense, rebounding, and shooting. Hey, J.J., even understanding contractually uh, the future of, of Buddy Heald um, and, and knowing some of the things that, that more than likely he's going to be unable to improve upon and that is you know his defensive prowess it's not like he's not trying but he's just never going to be this kind of lockdown defender um ever but high volume three point not just shooting but making and being 
a threat, being a threat whenever he's on the floor that he has to be identified. You have to know where he is, and that discombobulates everybody. I mean, you saw it to a degree with Duncan Robinson when he got hot. He discombobulated even Denver's defense. Well, do you go out to him? Do you go in? Do you roll off the high ball screen? What happens here? Do you dare, if you're the Pacers, mess with the high-volume shot-making and just the offensive threat with this era of the NBA? We know how it's played. We know what does well. Do you dare at all move away from that this offseason, knowing what he meant this past year and what likely will mean this year offensively to this team? Well, I'd take a really strong offer and maybe take a really strong interest maybe from Buddy Heel to, to not want to be here. Now, I don't think that's the case. I think he likes it here. I think he um, likes his situation and he wants to get to the playoffs with the Pacers. But you bring up some some things that he can bring you that not too many people around the NBA can. And the other thing that I brought up with, with Greg Eggstraw earlier this week that I think he brings that you don't get from just anybody is the team chemistry part, the way that he fits in that roster, in that locker room, the things that he's able to do to keep the mood light, to keep everyone jovial and happy. I think he's really important to the team chemistry. So it would take a lot to move on from Buddy Heald. You know he's not going to be here forever, so that's why I said you continue to need to add shooting. But it would definitely make make a strong reason to not have Buddy Heald just from what I've seen. And, and that's an that's a true tribute to him because when the Pacers acquired him with Tyrese Halliburton, it, you didn't think you were going to get someone so important. You knew he was a shooter, but some of the other things, I'll, I'll give you that the defense needs to improve, but some of the other things you can't account for. Yeah, I, and I, the, the the volume shooting, that's one thing, but it's the making. And then it's just wherever he is on the floor, he has to be identified. And there are just a lot of guys, let's face it, JJ, you see it every night in the NBA where you don't really have to understand where they are, have to really pay too much attention where some of these guys go on the perimeter because they're not going to knock it down, at least if you get out there and close out with a hand a little bit. There's not much of a worry. With him, there is a constant worry wherever he is on the floor. And I think there's a, a really high level of value in this era of NBA in that. Yeah, I'll bring up that interview with Greg Rextra. It's draft week, and it was – the second thing that he brought up to me, and it's the second or third thing that you brought up to me as well, and both of you I consider to be very knowledgeable about the game of basketball. So don't think for a second that he's not valued and important in the Pacers' you know, offices and what they're discussing. Um, I, role is something that's probably going to be important for him. If you look at a projected starting lineup in, in January or February, if you're trying to make a playoff push, What's his role? Is he starting? Is he coming off the bench? Is he okay with either? Those are all you know conversations that I, I can guarantee you are probably having uh, being done behind closed doors. But if he's okay with all of those things, then sure, you'd like to have him as long as he it works out to be here. So, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana, is on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline again. Sub Zero is that ice cream shop that's up near Midtown and Carmel. Sub-Zero, where they freeze the ice cream in front of you. Old downtown Carmel. You've never been or taken the kids to Sub-Zero? I have not. They barely let me into Carmel, and I've been there. And you haven't been there? (laughs) No, it doesn't sound familiar. Who is this dirty person in the old V-neck with holes in it? Who are we letting into Carmel here? That guy? Come on. And I've been there? I guess, yeah. They're getting yeah. a lot of good uh, advertising and discussion. I'll, I'll oh, yeah. Go there oh, I'll, we got to give him some love right there. Make no mistake about that. JJ is with us. We've seen him in pictures 
uh, numerous times over all these evaluations, whether it's uh, multiplayer workouts or the singular player workouts over the past month. How much of a value of opinion is Tyrese Halliburton as a player giving to the staff and the organization about the short-term future, about this draft, about the personnel in general? Yeah, I don't know necessarily about this draft, but I think that he's certainly someone that you run everything by if it's a big decision. You know that he, um, you've not been shy. Even last offseason, some of the things that were said about him, I was a little surprised. Is this too much too early? I mean, we heard Chad Buchanan compare him to Reggie Miller, and not in terms of just the on-court part, but being the face of the franchise, being the leader, the the guy that you know you bring up when other people around the league say the Pacers they think of. You want it to be Tyrese Halliburton. So, um, with with the role they've given him, the the leadership responsibility they've given him, and let's be honest, he was the key in the rebuild. When you traded Demontis Sabonis, you had to get someone like Tyrese Halliburton to give your give you hope for the future. It seems like it's working out well, and with that in mind, you have to run things by him. But you still have guys that are scouts and, and people that have spent all year scouting some of these guys. He, he's not watching college basketball, even though he's a fan, in the same way that the scouts are. So um, I'm not saying he's going to be in the draft war room, but being the fact that he's shown the willingness to be at all of these workouts – it says a lot about Tyrese, and I think uh, they're listening to what he has to say. As yeah, well. it, it does seem like that, too. And I will say this. He is no doubt going to be the on-the-court, off-the-court team leader, and that's what you value out of a team leader like that is that input. Yeah, and so he knows also guys he's played against, and so it could help in the next step, um, this never-ending quest to try to maybe convince a free agent or a veteran player whether if they're traded or signed as a free agent to want to be in Indiana. We know Tyrese wants to be here. And so if he can convince not just rookies that it's a, it's a great place to be, but maybe more importantly, um, that next uh, veteran presence and guys that he knows, I think you use him in that manner as well. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I was talking to Chad Buchanan. This is over a month ago now. And he had mentioned a couple of different times, you know, next year the year after and i i would stop it and say hey you know what the year after is great but i want to see this thing on track back to the postseason next year it is clear to me when i talked to tyrese halliburton pre-race out before the indy 500 that that's his expectation right now is is that organizationally you think moving into this year have they seen enough where they're willing to believe that this thing has been expedited this this growth this rebirth if you will and that they should be playoff worthy coming up this year. And these pieces that they're doing is not just for the future, but for the now. When I asked Kevin Pritchard after the season ended, if they took two steps in, in one season and maybe they had a, a grand rebuild plan and it maybe was uh, to, to learn last season, maybe to be close to the playoffs next season and in the next year, I asked him if there was a, a case that could be made that they, sort of skipped a step and that's okay in this situation you're maybe ahead of schedule and he acknowledged it now some of what your expectations for next season are will depend on how you fill out the roster who your starting lineup is can you get better defensively so it's still too early right now to say with absolute certainty yes that's a playoff team but if you make the correct moves I think that's the expectation. It's definitely Tyrese Halliburton's expectation. And let's just look back to where the team was in early January. I know they surprised some people. They maybe won some games because people overlooked them early in the season. But when Tyrese Halliburton was healthy, that team was, what, 23-18. and And they were in the mix competing for a top-four seed, not just a top-eight spot 
in the Eastern Conference. We know what happened with injuries. We know they won't catch anyone um, sleeping. They won't take the Pacers for granted next season. But I do think that there is an expectation, not just from Tyrese Halliburton, but from others, to take that next step next season. Yeah, that's that's what I gather. That's what we a short time that we talked on race day, but in talking about the team and his expectations, you could tell that sitting through and watching the NBA postseason uh, wasn't enjoyable for him. He wanted to be playing. Yep, and that's what you want, right? You don't want someone that's okay with a long-term rebuild. You want someone that wants to win um, yesterday, and that's what Tyrese Halliburton wants to do. Where do you think this team is right now, according to what you have seen? and what you gather. And you mentioned earlier too, JJ, that you felt you don't really gauge, you know, tonight, you gauge the next three weeks. What exactly are you looking for? Well, they're still making moves with the future in mind. You saw that uh, with, you know, the reported deal. We don't know everything that's that's going to happen. We know they weren't going to draft five players. You're still going to give yourself some options to get better into the future. But what I said is at the end of the next couple of weeks, I think the fan base will be happy with a really young, promising player. And then also maybe a guy that you're able to get, whether it's trade or free agency, that is a veteran that you can put in the starting lineup. And if you can get those two things, to me, it's a successful next couple of weeks. And then you work around the edges to determine, okay, what's the second unit look like? Who's coming off the bench? Who are the young players that maybe could, you know, prosper from, from time, you know, in the G league. So with the extra G league spot, the second round picks become important. So I do think though, there is a reason, good reason that people around the the league are paying attention to the Pacers and their options coming up right now. Yeah. All right, night in interest. I know you guys are going to be in Midtown up in Carmel for the Pacers draft for fans and season ticket holders tonight. What's your expectation on the evening of the NBA draft altogether? You know, I actually, we've seen maybe more moves reported in the last 24 to 48 hours, maybe than we would. Sometimes those happen at 6 o'clock. I think it's going to be a wild night. I'm really fascinated to see what Portland does to me, they hold a lot of the keys. And I'm actually interested as well in Detroit because it's a central division rival. I know they probably wish they had the number one pick like anyone who had a poor season, Um, but they've got a a young core where I'm interested to see if they draft someone or do they want to acquire maybe a veteran presence to help that team actually start to try to win games next season. So I'm watching Portland. I'm watching Detroit. And of course um, I'm fascinated just to see from a Pacers perspective what ends up happening with the current picks that they have and any others that they may acquire over the line. So people were asking me this, and I'll ask you this uh, as well. People were asking me why I continuously still hear Miles Turner trade rumors. And I I thought I answered it as best possible. I said, well, one, he's a valued commodity, uh, both as a producer and as an asset and also contractually i mean you look around the nba and you go wow this is a big man that can do all these different things had a a fantastically productive season this past year you know that is incredibly doable but i also think a lot of this is being hatched in and around phoenix you know knowing the pacers signed ayton to an offer sheet last summer uh, and hoping maybe some interest still lies there and then knowing that in Phoenix it looks like that they want to get rid of this dude tomorrow. You know what I mean? And it's going to be incredibly hard to do. So I I think a lot of those rumors regarding 33 are hatched out in the desert. You agree? You know, it's one of those players that if you're going to make a trade, you have to give up something good. And over time, he was someone um, you weren't quite sure about the contract situation. I don't know where the rumors come from, but 
Um, you know some players on the Pacers would appear to be untouchable. Like you're not probably trying to trade Benedict Mather or Tyrese Halliburton. And so if someone wants someone from the Pacers, they just immediately um, go to the recycled takes about bringing up Miles Turner. I, I don't think there's any way he's someone that they're actively uh, looking to move on from. His contract situation is for the next two years. So it's not a long, long-term deal where you um, you have to keep that in mind as well. You never want a contract to expire without getting anything for it. But uh, we're way too soon after signing that extension and all the goodwill that I think that Miles earned over the last 12 months to really, to me, be worried about, you know, whether he's a part of a trade rumor right now. Man, you talk about Mike Dunleavy Jr. just put the hose to Jordan Poole, didn't he? Come on now. Well, I don't know how much he wanted to be there since he got hit in practice and he got his money and maybe he wants a chance to go score some points in Washington. I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, poor Jordan Poole, but he did get a pretty good contract. Yeah, yeah uh, no, I understand that, but I, it's, I'm just talking about the situation though. I mean, he gets punched in the grill. They leak it out of the organization somehow, some way. Everybody laughs at it. He's the butt of jokes. They have a down season. He admittedly, I think, had a down season, as did Golden State, compared to the expectations. And now with the new general manager, Mike Dunleavy Jr., after Bob Myers leaves, he gets shipped off to Washington, which I know you can score a lot of points if you're getting paid, but doesn't sound like as much fun as you might be having in San Francisco. That's true. You never really know what's going on behind the scenes, but they're all in on the vets. And if Steph and Draymond, Draymond's back, they say, you know, we're better off with Chris Paul, then then I don't know that Mike Dunleavy Jr. has much say in the matter either. All right. I'm going to ask you this because, again, you watch all the time. If I were to take Steph Curry out of this predicted starting five, because evidently they're going to keep Chris Paul at Golden State with this deal. If you were to, and I know you're not taking Steph Curry out, but I just, I want to know your impression on a lineup if I don't mention Steph Curry that has Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. Uh, you know, that's an interesting... Uh, do, that doesn't give me much depend. of a sports arousal right there. Not much at all. Yeah. It would depend on if you got Clay Thompson of old or where I think Clay Thompson has actually lost a little bit. So, um, I, I'm with you. They, that's an old lineup. That's one that may not stay healthy over 82 games. Um, but you're saying that's without Steph Curry, and adding him to that group does change everything. And they do need to get probably something from either Moody or Kaminga or some of those young players that they've invested in. So, that's what JJ um, really is saying. fascinating to watch them. It'll be fascinating to watch the rest of the league. We're looking forward to seeing what happens tonight. And my word's not his here, but I believe what JJ is saying is that maybe a, a semi-sports arousal is what we're talking about here until you start talking about Steph Curry. Curry, right? That's yeah, what. I mean, all we need now is some ice cream and caramel, and we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, sub zero, baby. Go over there and, <laughs> and tell them I sent you. We'll, <laughs> I, got we'll no, I got no stake in it, but yeah, go ahead and, and go over there. Hey, remind people where you guys are going to be if they want to slide by tonight, JJ. We'll be at Sun King in uh, Midtown Carmel right there on the Monon, so be sure to come out, say hi, and I'm just looking forward to seeing the reactions from fans and, and also uh, meeting hopefully some new Pacers tomorrow afternoon. Hey, do you think it'd be something like I'm looking at Grady Dick and his uh, his attire for the green room tonight, and um, he looks like one of the sprockets. If if the sprockets were wearing red back in the SNL days, do you, do you think that maybe what if somebody just went out and kind of just you know just dressed and didn't go all the way like this? Do you think <laughs> that that would be would that be 
viewed as cool or be viewed make as a lame? statement without making a statement. Yeah, I mean, can you saying? make a statement doing this without making a statement? I mean, you're a fashionista. We've seen that with your suits over the years here. <laughs> can you make a statement without making a statement in what you wear uh, in the green room? I think there maybe is an expectation level to look the best as you can. Now, there are some people that might have a, a plain blue suit with a sharp-looking tie, and that's not really – you know, looking less than spectacular. But uh, I don't think that everyone has to quite go over the top um, like we tend to see. Would you draft somebody if they wore sunglasses indoors in the green room? <laughs> I would probably have my decision made before that, and I don't know that I would allow that to change my mind. <laughs> I mean, does it allow but you I to at least question the decision? It. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy, it's good to hear from you. I'm sure we'll catch up again relatively soon to see what's going on, especially in the next three weeks. But it's uh, always fun time, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, John. Take care. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Where are you? Where are you out there right now with those that wear sunglasses indoors? And obviously they're not vision impaired. And they're not Jack Nicholson. Where are you as far as sunglasses indoors? James, you're a lot younger than me. I'm an old crusty fart. I don't wear sunglasses indoors. Sunglasses indoors. Sunglasses, first of all, um, I don't go, I don't go out because I lose them everywhere, right? So I don't put a lot of value in them. Like I don't go out and buy Ray-Ban. What's the sun, sunglasses hut? When's the last time you were in sunglasses hut? Probably never. Never in sunglasses hut? No. Let's go to sunglasses hut. So, when I'm indoors, not only do I not wear them, but I don't even put them on top of my head because I also think that looks lame. I put them in my pocket. Does that just make me 53 years old, or is that an accurate decision to make? I mean, I put them on top of my head, so maybe. Yeah. It seems like mostly guys that are, are bald are putting them on top of their head. I just... That's just where they go. It's just convenient. I think my head's too big. I remember one time, and I don't know if these were. Remember when when Oakleys were really popular, mm-hmm. and I I had I had wraparound Oakleys, and they might have been the fake Oakleys. I'm not ah, sure, okay. but I put them on on top of my head, and I, I guess my head was so big that it snapped the middle. You know what I mean? The middle of it yeah. snapped. So that's kind of the last time I ever paid anything. What are they called? Jokeleys? The ones you buy at, like, uh, Covered Bridge Festival? I wouldn't know. I don't buy Oakleys. I don't wear them. Sunglasses Hut. I don't even know if they're still there or not. Buzzard writes this. If a draft pick walks out flashing his Coles cash in a basic chap suit and tie, he's a genius trendsetter. Seriously. I mean, just you downplay it a little bit? Are you a fashionista when you downplay it a little bit? Quick break, we'll come back. Me and you, other side, sidery with all these NBA rumors coming up too. Jordan Poole to the Wizards for Chris Paul. Chris Paul evidently is going to settle into a starting lineup. Going to settle into a starting lineup in Golden State with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green once he is re-signed. Is that, I mean, obviously Steph Curry is going to worry you at all times, but how... 
worrisome is the rest of that group. And I like Clay Thompson a great deal, but clearly, you know, chocolate milk drinking or not, he's well on the other side here after the myriad of injuries. Quick break and we'll come back. Yeah, Jokely's, I think, is what they were called. If you buy Oakley's at Covered Bridge Fest, then they're more than likely not real. Jokely's. Quick one, back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, sunglasses indoors or at night. It doesn't work, does it? Uh, You'll see a lot of that coming up later on tonight. I'm not suggesting whatsoever that you bypass drafting somebody because it. I'm going to suggest it factors in. But if you just go ahead and, you know, not so much dress for the oh, whoa kind of thing, but just, you know, spectacularly non-spectacular. How well will that go over later on tonight? By the way, Shane and others, I think Andrew's another that have uh, shared with me that apparently the fake Oakleys are called, can I say this on the radio, Folkleys? That's pretty close. I said Jokeleys. I think mine's better. <laughs> hey, JMV, the Sub-Zero in Castleton Mall, my buddy owns it. They also have one on Mass Ave. I have been there once. It is a good time. They got good stuff there. Sub-Zero. All right, draft night. We talked to JJ about that. Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports, Indiana, a little bit earlier, too. Evan Sidery is going to join me from Basketball News. We're going to go over all these floating rumors, and I, I especially want to double back on um, what was reported. And I want to say, I want to say it was uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports that had mentioned that there was um, more than just your average dialogue between the Hawks and the Pacers regarding DeAndre Hunter, and evidently at some point that broke off. Uh, That fell off. So I want to talk about that. And again, a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff, about 90% of it is going to be absolutely a waste of time. But it's one of the reasons why you hang out and want to listen and go, whoa, wait a minute. Well, that would be interesting. And about 90% of the time, it's just going to be a rumor that goes absolutely nowhere. But that is indeed why we're here. Uh, JMV at 107.5thefan.com. JMV, why to me so far does it seem like a downer? Because it seems like a downer. (laughs) I mean, I'm not suggesting that what they're doing uh, is not going to be right. But just on the surface, and again, I thought J.J. said this right. I had mentioned that more than likely you're going to come away tonight because of what we've said here, how we framed up this draft, 
you know, with the excitement level and all the options, or what does um, Kevin Pritchard call it, optionality? All the optionality there. That this was going to be, well, as I, I put it, often a humdinger of a draft. And I think we have put this together, both me and everybody else on the station and certainly nationally, to where I don't know if it is going to live up to your expectations. J.J. cautioned by saying, hey, the next three weeks is going to be the gauge. You know, not so much just tonight. So I guess I still have a chance. But listen, I I am, to me, just like anybody else that has gone probably overboard in, in the oh, wow viewpoint. And the problem is, part of the reason why I do it is having to live through games in which everybody here felt it was cool to lose. You want to see... You know, that time of watching and everybody saying, hey, that was an entertaining loss. I hope that there's some value in that because at the time there wasn't much value. That's what I'm looking for. Eric Harlow chimes in with this. Hey, JMV, so I play lead guitar in a rock band. Can I wear my sunglasses indoors and at night? And we called them Jokelies in Bloomington of the 90s. Much more accurate description. Yeah, you know, let's say this. I still will suggest those that absolutely, you know, need to wear sunglasses, like like Tony Sperano, for example. I know Tony Sperano Jr. is going to be the first-year coach of the offensive line here. And, you know, his dad had uh, the eye issue, wore sunglasses indoors. I understand that. Uh, the visually impaired, obviously, with a need for that. Uh, Jack Nicholson was always, you know, given that particular leverage to do it. I just have never really given it to anybody else. But I will say this, you know, musicians, uh, no matter what stage you're on, would probably get a pass for that. More than likely. I think once it gets past just the, hey, this is the look, and I'm, you know, adding to the look of this coolness here. Um, Like Jack Nicholson, you just know the dude, no matter what age, and especially seeing him back when the Lakers are still in the postseason, no matter what you look like, the dude's always going to be cool up until it's over. But I guess what I'm suggesting is maybe they're not hard and fast rules here. Kind of does make sense. Uh, by the way, Midtown Plaza in Carmel, will JJ and uh, other Pacer folks will be tonight with the fans. Midtown Plaza Carmel for you coming up later on this evening. And you can check that out. Should be a good time. Uh, this is from Patrick, JMV. How do players in college like Oscar Shibway and Drew Timmy go from always being talked about as the best players in college to won't even uh, get drafted? Uh, here's the reason why is because they it's much of the same reason why Trace Jackson Davis is viewed as he is. You can throw him in the category of Shibwe and Timmy. Now, consistently production wise dominant on the college level, but not having the skill set, which is widely embraced right now 
by NBA standards is the reason why you see that. Yeah, the three-point shot. I brought this up to JJ regarding, you know, moving forward without Buddy Heald. Because I know contractually that certainly is a gamble. I know that you don't want to overpay down the road as he gets older, but you cannot deny when this guy is on the floor, he is he's under the spotlight of the other team. You got to know, you got to tag where he is, you got to know where he is, and then even beyond that, he's not just a high volume shot taker. I mean, anybody can take it. But he's a high volume shot maker. And that's what the NBA is now. I'm talking three-point shot maker. That's what the NBA is right now. I had this philosophy going all the way back to 1987. Three's better than two. Hey, why didn't you go in for that layup? Why didn't you make that extra pass? Why did you take that three instead of the two? Well, because three, one, two, three is better than two. That has been clearly the NBA philosophy for a long time now, and I don't see it changing, and that is why guys that aren't proficient in being able to do that, even if you're a big man in this case, even if you're good around the basket, you're talking about two dudes, and especially Timmy, that have just a myriad of moves that in a different era would have been celebrated. I mean, think about it from the standpoint, I'm not trying to compare Drew Timmy to Kevin McHale. I'm just thinking about the footwork. And when I think of an old school NBAer from that era, and I think about their footwork, it's Kevin McHale. Now, sometimes he traveled, but you think about his footwork and the work that he did in and around the basket. I know it's easy to say that that would still be valued today, but I just don't know how much that would be valued at all today. And you're going to view Drew Timmy, and what is he, 6'10"? Uh, he's probably you know 6'9", 6'8", 6'9", in real life, and they just view that as a detriment. Oscar Shibway, who can bully his way to the basket, uh, his game is viewed as a detriment, and that's why we're talking about, in a lot of these mock drafts, they don't have Trace in round number one. We saw how dominant he was, how consistently high-level he produced. And really, when you think about it, outside of you know the perimeter jump shot, which he didn't, we didn't see at IU, but we started to see a lot of other things evolve and develop. I mean, his passing... I mean, you think about his passing over, especially the past two years, just got remarkably better. But, you know, the skill sets that I just talked about for interior bigs just are not of a value now as they were 35 years ago. 35 years ago, these dudes were, oh, wow. And in this era, In this era, at least until we hear otherwise, three is always going to be better than two. And if you don't do it now, you're going to have to find a way to do it. You're going to have to find a way to be a threat. A quick break, and we shall return. JJ, a little bit earlier, that podcast, 107.5thefan.com, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I see everybody lurking in there. All the rumors that you can listen to coming up in the five o'clock hour a lot of them out there evan sidery of basketball news will be forthcoming with them all coming up at five draft day 2023 we talk it up the pacers as of right now that first pick off the board is at number seven 
That and more discuss coming up next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. and 107.5. The Fan. This date. The summer of 1987, McDonald's introduced its supersize option. Allowing customers to upsize fries and a drink to an extra large. Who among us at one time or the other supersized your fries back then? Yeah. I don't think you'd do that anymore, can you? I don't know, because I haven't been. It's like McDonald's goes, hey, you know what? We don't want you in here, so can you just hustle up and get out? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, <laughs> I think they I think they stopped the, the supersizing thing after that movie came oh, out. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, that documentary? Yeah, the supersize me. Supersize me, me yeah. Yeah. 1987 for that. Now, hurry up and get in here and order from this kiosk and get the hell out of here. Would you? Thanks for stopping by. JMV, I asked my daughter, who happens to also be named Lainey, just like your Lainey, what physical thing of mine makes her think of me. Her response, the white shirt of the guy chugging water you wear when mowing the lawn. That would be the JMV suck shirt of me. Uh, and that's something that the uh, the great folks, that's Brian and Alex came up with. What a great design idea at the shop in Broad Ripple and Carmel years ago. It's from uh, one of those photos of me. Yeah, chugging water. Chugging water at Carb Day. That's outstanding, Jason. And uh, shout out to Laney right there. (laughs) That's outstanding. Chugging water. Let me chug that water really quick. I don't know if I've ever chugged water. It's outstanding. Standing work. That is one of the better designs of all time. And, and believe me, the shop in Broad Ripple and Carmel, they have come up with many. But that is right at the top of the list. I saw one. I have a magnet on my refrigerator in the garage that says <laughs> JMV sucks. It looks like Twin Peaks. It says JMV sucks. And uh, I'm trying to think, Twin Peaks says eat, drink, and Something, right? Eat, drink. I can't remember the third. There were like three things. Eat, drink, and look. Watch, be happy, enjoy, eat, drink, and whatever. Uh, three things. And beneath JMV Sucks, it says, eat, eats, drinks, then eats again. I think it was eat, drinks, and scenic views. Yes. Eats, eats drinks, and scenic views. Uh, for me, it was eats, drinks, then eats again. You love that. Cideries on the other side. All these NBA rumors. Of course, the Pacers making a deal reportedly today, moving down seven spots in round two from 40 to 47, and then taking in $4.35 million reportedly 
in cash considerations. Cash considerations, six foot seven, two hundred and fifteen pound, nineteen year old. No. Cash considerations, literally four point three five million that I guess you can use on just about anything. So so far, not that exciting. We'll maintain and see if it is later on tonight. Pacers draft number seven to start overall in round number one. Have you covered coming up on tomorrow's show? Evan Sider and more with me and you on this draft and then some. Next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. JMV does not suck at all. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, JJ, a little bit earlier, that podcast, 107.5thefan.com. You want to get primed for tonight. Ryan Carr yesterday, the vice president of player personnel for the Pacers on. And I love many a question about players, especially the singular visits of players that they had in. Now, Walker, Hendricks, Dick. Really good stuff from yesterday. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. We'll see what happens coming up on tomorrow's show, I believe. Bobby Marks, among others. And, um, you know, uh, again, the hope is whomever is is drafted at number seven, however this goes down, because you really don't know, uh, will join the show coming up tomorrow. Uh, we shall see. To play that bad boy by ear. Pacers make a move today, 40-47 to 47 in round two to the Lakers. They get 4.35 reportedly million dollars in cash consideration. So, yeah, all the assets that we've talked about and everybody said, hey, this is great, assets here and assets there. It really hasn't – how should I put this? Yeah, that's not good given what's happened in the past couple of days. Really hasn't uh, tripped the light fantastic for you just yet. See if tonight does it. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from Basketball News and then some to go over the rumors that end up coming to fruition and 90% of those that fall flat, but we love talking about them prior to the NBA draft anyway. It's uh, Evan Sidery was with us. Hello, Evan. How are you? Doing great, John. How about yourself? I'm about to head down to the Gamebridge Fieldhouse and cover the drafts. I'm looking forward to it. My man. All right. Before we get into the Pacers here, I did want to ask you about this reported deal between the Wizards and the Warriors, Jordan Poole, to the Wizards for Chris Paul. Um, obviously, covering the Suns, you have a great deal of experience to Chris Paul. This is twofold here. I know he got paid a lot of money contractually. I know he got punched in the face. I know the organization, somebody there leaked that out, and he was the butt of jokes and had a really, honestly, if you put it there, Golden State and then Jordan Poole probably did not have overall, according to expectations, the greatest of years. Um, is this is this kind of salt in the wound here, or is this a fresh start for Jordan Poole? Yeah, it kind of is a little bit of uh, definitely a fresh start for Jordan Poole. I think he's going to be the number one option now in Washington, at least next year. They're not going to win a lot of games. They might win around 25 or so games, but he's going to put up a lot of shots, make put up a lot of points. We know Jordan Poole can do that. But the more surprising thing to me, John, is 
38-year-old, almost 39-year-old Chris Paul getting back draft picks and getting back a player like Jordan Poole and Ryan Rollins, a former second-round pick. I'm just shocked by the value that the Warriors get up in that deal for Chris Paul, who might have even been waived and could have signed there. I guess the Warriors were worried about the Lakers and the Clippers potentially signing him instead. But him going to the Warriors, them getting Jordan Poole in the process, kind of surprised by that. But I think, obviously, a fresh start, what happened with Draymond Green there, kind of was a choice, I think, for the Warriors between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. It sounds like now they could probably choose Draymond Green and re-sign him on a long-term deal. So, uh, really, an all-in bet by the Warriors here next season because if the Chris Paul experiment doesn't work out, that's going to be a really good draft pick down the road in 2030 that they just get for Chris Paul. So it's truly championship or bust for the Warriors, and I'm just kind of surprised overall by the value they get up in that. All right, so if – if and again, I'm talking about not necessarily here you know, judging by numbers. There's the all-encompassing factors, uh, both tangible and intangible, that go along here. If, if you had to, if it came down to a choice between keeping Jordan Poole or Draymond Green on this Golden State team, if you're Mike Dunleavy Jr., what would you have done? I would have kept Jordan Poole, to be honest, because he kind of is a bridge to your future. I know they've gotten rid of James Wiseman already. Moses Moody is still there in Golden State. Jonathan Kaminga is still there right now in Golden State, too. But it just kind of feels like he was kind of the main piece to their young core and kind of giving him up for a guy that's 13 years older, or even more than that, 14 years older, in Chris Paul is just a little stunning to me. I guess it was more so maybe Jordan Poole behind the scenes didn't want to play there anymore if Draymond Green didn't want to be there. That's just a hypothesis of my end there. But I certainly would have kept Jordan Poole over Draymond Green. I think he kind of would have been more of the long-term fit to me where he kind of helps you bridge the next era of the Warriors whenever that may come. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing right there, too. And I, I know you're not going to subtract Steph Curry from the lineup, but if you were to look at the predicted, the projected lineup with Chris Paul, for example, as a starter, with Andrew Wiggins, with Clay Thompson, and uh, with uh, uh, Draymond Green, in this case, I, that doesn't really knock you over, does it? No, not really at all, to be honest. I mean, you're going to be playing super small with Stephen Curry at the two, Clay Thompson at the three, Wiggins at the four. I think, to be honest, John, it might be a situation where to conserve Chris Paul's health, who's broken down four straight years at this point in the postseason, I wouldn't be stunned at all if he's a sixth man for the next year, where they potentially, maybe if they keep Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody around, they start at the wing next to Andrew Wiggins. You put Draymond Green in there as well with Kevon Looney. Then you keep the, the Splash Brothers together in the starting lineup with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. I think it might make more sense at this point of his career to play Chris Paul around 25 or so minutes per game, keep him healthy for when it matters most in April, May, and June. Because I think at this point, how aggressive they got for Chris Paul and the bet they're making on them, giving up a guy like Jordan Poole. I think the best idea for him is probably to play Chris Paul off the bench and let him kind of ride that second unit there. Why does it seem, though, Evan, there are still so many rumors floating around regarding Miles Turner? I don't get it. I truly don't get it. I think it's more so just, to be honest, John, people that don't watch the Pacers, I haven't paid, paid attention to the Pacers because from all indications, I don't think Miles Turner is even available. I think it would take a huge offer for them to even – He better not be or they're going to have to answer to me when I find out <laughs> otherwise. But, yes, go ahead. No. I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, you're all good. I think, honestly, with, with Miles Turner, we saw a pergo that he was last year within this offense as a stretch five and – like we mentioned before last week, they, they really dodged a bullet at get, avoiding DeAndre on that max contract, keeping Miles Turner instead because he fits so much better, I think, next to their young core. And I'd be stunned. I'd be very, very, very stunned if Miles Turner is moved tonight, this summer, anytime in the next year or so, unless something disastrous happens over the next calendar year. So I, I think at this point, just the rumors you're hearing about Miles Turner, 
I think it's more so as people not paying attention to the Pacers because it's more so it's Lakers fans, it's Lakers reporters doing that. And I just don't know if they realize how good Miles Turner's fit in, in Indiana has been over the last year since he's played with Tyrese Halliburton. So I wouldn't really pay attention to that much. The guy I'm kind of looking forward to as far as a potential draft or a potential draft night trade would be Buddy Heald. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we'll certainly see on that. I, I doubt it, but we'll see. I want to start with Miles because I, I'd mentioned this. I, I think it comes in really three ways if you want to get right down to it. One is just the value that he showed this past year. Um, and, and contractually what you look at and how much of value that is compared to what he showed playing with the Pacers and in particular Tyrese Halliburton. I think it's a team that you used to cover, um, certainly in Phoenix, that again wants to hope that somebody's going to pick up DeAndre Ayton in a deal and take on that contract for the future and know that once upon a time, almost this time last year, the Pacers had that interest in that offer sheet and signed him here that Phoenix ultimately ended up matching. I think it's that, and I think you factor in the Lakers. I think Laker fans out there are pounding it, wanting to get both Turner and Heald still out in a Laker uniform. Agree? Certainly, 100%. And even, I don't think Lakers fans realize this, but they traded one of those draft picks away. Exactly. When they got it, so it would be giving pennies on a dollar, not even pennies on a dollar, to be honest, John, for getting off Buddy Heald and Miles Turner to go to the Lakers for the number 17 overall pick tonight. I, I don't see that at all. I think the Pacers would honestly laugh if that was actually realistically offered to them. So I think it's more so this fantasy play by Lakers and other fans here. I very much highly doubt that Miles Turner is even in discussions right now. I believe it was Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports that had mentioned the, the conversations that had broken down, according to him, regarding the Pacers and the Hawks about DeAndre Hunter. How real do you believe that to be and how good of an option might that have been or that still could be if that is true and if there is dialogue going on. Yeah, I think DeAndre Hunter would have made sense for this team. He just signed a long-term extension. He's only 24, 25 years old. He's a 3 and D wing, a good shooter, a good defender. But from what it sounds like, like you mentioned from Jake Fisher's report earlier today, that the Hawks wanted the seventh pick. The Pacers sort of moved back to the 15th pick. I agree with the Pacers holding firm on that. I don't think DeAndre Hunter is a franchise changer type of prospect. You could potentially swing on tonight at number seven. So I'd certainly agree if it's maybe a future pick down the road, if it's potentially the late, the 26th overall pick plus future picks, maybe that makes more sense to me. But for the number seven overall pick, to swap back eight spots and get DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Hunter simply hasn't proven enough to me so far in his career to be worth that kind of investment. So I think it's more so the Hawks trying to play the Pacers a little bit on value there. And the good on the Pacers for holding firm on that. So that, that, that deal, I didn't – it would have been – the um, there would have been the seven going to Atlanta, DeAndre Hunter. Then the fifteen is that what was talked about there? Yeah, it sounds like that was the framework. Was the Pacers move back uh, seven eight spots there? Go from seven to fifteen. And I don't know the exact other terms that were involved in that. Probably some maybe a player or maybe future draft picks. But I think holding firm on that at seven makes the most sense because DeAndre Hunter. Getting off the salary, he has a twenty. He's going to be making twenty-two million dollars a year in the next four years, and so far in his career, he's more of a glorified role player than a guy that's worth twenty-plus million dollars a year. So, if the Hawks for some reason want to get off that price, if it's more so, hey, we'll give that Nuggets pick that the Pacers got yesterday in that trade. If you want to get off the twenty-twenty-four pick plus the twenty-six pick and maybe something else plus a player or two, maybe that makes a lot more sense to me as far as value goes for DeAndre Hunter, but certainly the seventh pick I would keep off the table unless it's like a star-level player going to the Pacers. Evan Sidery, Basketball News and more. He's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline on all these rumors that are going on out there right now. Is is there a pick 
um, I should say, is there a player in this case to where uh, already established that you would feel the Pacers may feel comfortable in dealing seven? And I, I guess the criteria would be trying to get back in at some place either inside still the end of the lottery or just outside the first round of the draft lottery. Would that be the criteria? I think so. I think it would have to require a player that's a star level player or something that it's too good to pass up. You move back a couple spots, for example, let's say Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks are both off the board at seven and they don't like their options there. I think they can move back, get an asset or two, maybe a young player from someone, maybe like Atlanta in that scenario. Maybe that could be a scenario where if the preferred guys are on the board there at seven and they don't feel like a guy that's currently there makes much sense for them. Maybe something like a DeAndre Hunter does make sense. But I want to throw just a, an idea I've heard around, John, at you because – over the last 24 hours, there's been a lot of smoke from Mark Stein, Ian Begley uh, out in New York as well. Paul George, what, what is your thoughts on that? Because it feels like to me there's legit smoke around Paul well, George. Well, well, well uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I want you to go ahead and break this out for everybody because I've been hesitant to bring it up because I haven't really bought it. And I know that this is a, this is a segment about everything, even if it falls short uh, of becoming reality. Um, I've, I've yeah. heard this. And I, I almost think it's laughable. Uh, you don't, and obviously you're more uh, in tune, you're more connected with that in mind than I am. Why does this? Explain it, and then why does this make sense to you regarding Paul George? Uh, yeah, the thing to me with Paul George is that I don't know if he's even worth the seventh pick at this point. Obviously, he's an all-NBA, all-star little player, but the health concerns, the health risks that we've seen the last three or four years for him, his entire career at the Los Angeles Clippers has been just constant injuries. And I think you're hearing about from Portland, them potentially offering up Paul George for the third pick, uh, potentially future picks from the New York Knicks and that scenario that Ian Begley mentioned earlier today. I think, to me, Paul George might be worth the seventh pick in this right scenario, but I don't know what – He's 33 years old. He's had significant, significant injuries over the last couple of years. I think it would really have to be the perfect, perfect storm for a Paul George thing to happen here. I know he's he's been talking more positively, John, about Indiana lately. I don't know if there's anything about that, but I think Paul George. I'm on the fence about it. I'd probably lean towards no because he costs 50 million dollars a year in the next four years. He'd want a long-term extension as well. I don't know if it makes the most sense as far as building the rest of this team out, but. If Paul George said he wants to come to Indiana, I would certainly consider the seventh pick, but I'd probably want something else in return from the Clippers, too. Do you buy that at all? Uh, as far as them uh, shopping him? Yeah, I mean, as far as this being uh, an interesting destination, a, a realistic interesting destination. I mean, it does. I mean, if you want to think about it from the positive aspect, if you want to take the injury risk out of it, he he fits everything you're looking for. I mean, he's a great defender. He's an amazing shooter. He can score from all three levels. If he buys in and, and comes back and says, this is not my team anymore, this is Tyrese Halliburton's team, I, I think it makes sense. But I think Paul George would want to come back and have it be his team again. I don't know if that's something that the Pacers should really be looking at right now for a guy that's about to be in his mid-30s, probably has about three or potentially four good years left of his career. I mean, if you, if you think this team's ready to win now, it could make some sense, but it's a significant price to pay. It's a huge, huge financial risk as well because he'd be wanting, like I mentioned, $45, 50000000 plus million dollars a year for the next four or five years on a new contract. I mean, if, if they think they're one piece away, I think it makes some sense, but – Man, that is so risky to me, John. If he do go out and get him and he gets hurt yet again, I mean, that could be a disaster a couple of years down the line. And I also view it this way. They're, they're further away than one piece, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he for himself 
if it's you know not in LA with the Clippers, has to be someplace else because this this it doesn't make sense for a variety of reasons to me. Um, but that I think is at the top of the list. The fact that he is he is ready to be a part of something that wins now, and just his addition it doesn't uh, to me really <laughs> justify justify it here because they're not that ready. No, I would say the ceiling for this team, unless Tyrese Halliburton and Benning Mathurin take huge leaps next year, I think that if they got Paul George, for example, hypothetically in here, I'd say like a five or six seed. I feel like that's realistic what they could do next year. But beyond that, I just think the risk is outweighing the reward, to, at least in my opinion, to go out and reunite with Paul George. I think it's probably better for the Pacers to take this slow not rush things, let Tyrese Halliburton and this young core grow together, add that seventh pick to the mix tonight as well. And I think later on down the road, two or three years from now, they'll certainly look back and say, I'm glad we didn't do that. That's at least how I look at it. Yeah, I can't, can't even imagine that. I didn't even think that. I, I thought as an end result, there was uh, animosity floating around here between, uh, and, and maybe that's all gone by now. It's been a number of years between you know Pritchard and, and George and how all that went down on one side or the other. And I know that the same, the same supposedly resided within that of Victor Oladipo and his folks as well but yeah yeah that didn't that didn't make a a lot of sense from a, a many a standpoint but certainly you know if if you're looking for a team that's that's ready to made to win at that particular level now that team does not appear at all to be even close to this Pacer team so no, I think the only realistic one that makes sense potentially is New York because it feels like they might be a team that could really take a jump next year because they have a lot more pieces, I think, than the Pacers as far as win now, like the next couple of years. Unless Damian Lillard says, hey, I won out, unless you get Paul George for the number three overall pick, which I think would be a really terrible idea for Portland to do that. I, I don't really see Paul George getting moved. I honestly think his value, John, is probably lower than people expect around the league because, like we've been talking about the last couple of minutes, the risk far outweighs the reward, in my opinion, at least at this stage of his career. If he was 26, 27, 28 years old instead of what he is now at 33, I'd be all about it. But right now, at his age and what's happened the last couple of years of his career, I would be certainly saying no to that. Does uh, Ananobi still make sense to you? He does, but it sounds like from all indications, just reading the, the trade wins the last couple of weeks, it, I think Toronto's going to keep him. Yeah. It sounds like Toronto's going to keep him, and I don't know why. I think they still think they're a, a good team next year, even though the results have shown the last couple of years are shaky at best. But I think OG Ananobi has shown throughout his career he's a legitimate good player. Maybe they want to build around him and they retool there, but it sounds like the value for Toronto for OG is extremely high. Like They want the number seven pick. They want more assets on top of that for OG Ananobi. So for any team out there, if you want to get OG Ananobi, it'd probably be a high lottery pick plus young players, plus future picks. And OG Ananobi is a great player, John, but he's never been an all-star. He's never been an elite offensive player. I think that's just way too much to pay there. So I, I think we've heard uh, from multiple reports, from multiple insiders, that OG Ananobi and the Pacers has kind of cooled down the last couple of weeks. So I would say – I, I would be still about it if the price is right, but it sounds like from all indications, Toronto is probably going to keep him around. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. I mean, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I like him, but you, you kind of wonder about that price tag. Um, maybe I could be talked into that. And if the Ananobi, the storyline, the rumor goes away, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the Tobias Harris one that floats around. Dorian Finney-Smith, not either. You, you, you kind of start really wondering where this might go for an already established player once you start getting that deep. Yeah, and what the Pacers have done the last 36 hours or so, consolidating some of their picks, moving down actually in the draft today, seven spots from 40 to 47. 
I think they're a team that might be looking more towards free agency to fill out their wing depth or potentially at seven tonight. I think Cam Whitmore of Villanova, if he's on the board at seven, if Jairus Walker's off the board, I think he can make some sense. I guess between three guys for them, I think it's Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, and Cam Whitmore, who had a prior workout as well with the Pacers. So I would say maybe between those three guys, but there's also been reports recently, John, about Harrison Barnes, who is a free agent. He has a relationship with Rick Carlisle. He played with Tyrese Halbert in Sacramento as well. If you don't want to pay a big price for a guy, potentially maybe Harrison Barnes be a lot cheaper in free agency for like 15 to $20 million a year on a, on a short-term contract. He might make more sense to me than giving up assets for a guy like Tobias Harris or Dorian Finney-Smith or anyone like that. So unless they do something big tonight, I kind of am leaning more towards they fill out the rest of their roster in free agency and kind of take this thing slower a little bit. Yeah, the other thing that um, you know I, I, I'd kind of heard, and I don't know if he's going to make it there, would be a, a guy that, that canceled his workout here. And I was talking to Ryan Carr yesterday and they still, you know, they still had dialogue and, you know, he, he, you know, he didn't play up any interest at all. He kind of kept it even keel, but if Asar Thompson were to happen to be available at number seven, would they completely go off the board to the type of group type of guys we're talking about right now? I think he does make a lot of sense. I think he kind of does remind me a little bit of a, a smaller version of an OG Ananobi, a great defender, a really good passer, too, underrated in that aspect, a developing offensive player. I think if he's there at seven, which I think is very unlikely at this point, uh, the betting odds are saying that Detroit might have I think the heavy odds are saying that the Pistons in their five are probably going to take a star Thompson there. I think he's very doubtful to make a pass five or six there. So, But if he is on the board at seven, I think he's a legitimate consideration for Indiana because he checks a lot of boxes for what they're looking for. They need a defender. They need a scorer. They need a guy who could help out in the playmaking category as well. And if star Thompson kind of fits all of that to me. So he definitely makes some sense. But I think if you want more of a plug-and-play option, a guy that's not going to take a lot of time to develop – I would lean more towards one of the fours and Taylor Hendricks or Darius Walker. Um, Evan Sidery, Basketball News, tonight's draft. He's got it covered for you. He's talking about it right now with the rumors and then some via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So with the the reported moves that they have done the past two days, and as you mentioned, consolidating selections, moving down, moving absolutely out, and, and even uh, going to the first round of 2024, considering how that things ends up breaking down. So that tells you maybe – there's not going to be a lot of wham and, and bang going on within this draft tonight and maybe more so during free agency. Does that take a little bit of the luster off of tonight? I think there's a, a real option, John. If a player they like is falling down the board in the mid to late teens or the early 20s, and they don't think that someone's going to make it to 26, they still have a second-round pick via the Cavaliers they kept uh, throughout the last 48 hours. They have 7-26 and 26 tonight in the first round. I, I would not be stunned at all if, for example, let's say consolidate 26 plus a player like a Chris Duarte or an Isaiah Jackson or a Jalen Smith. And if a guy they like is falling down the board, I think it's more likely that we see 26 plus a player instead of maybe a future pick or two down the road to move up there. Because the, the roster crunch is real, John. I think we're, we've already seen there's 12 guys under contract. They have four draft picks tonight. I think there's a real chance that if a guy like is falling, I think we might see a deal or two uh, as far as that goes. And I think there's a couple guys on the board that can make some sense for them as far as long-term fits here. Who's that? So I would lean – I think Leonard Miller of G League Ignite. He is Scoot Henderson's teammate. He's six foot ten, two 220 or so pounds. He plays the four. He's a great defender. He averaged 18 points and almost 10 rebounds a game last year with the G League Ignite. I think he's a guy at 18 years old. He could roll the dice on him. If he starts falling down the board into the late teens, early 20s, and you also can consolidate 26 plus a player, like Leonard Miller fill the four. So let's say you can trade Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson plus 26 to go get a guy like Leonard Miller. 
I think that makes some sense as far as keeping the books long-term cleaner and also kind of getting your guys, so to say. So I think there's there's a real chance, I think, if a guy falls down the board, Leonard Miller, maybe someone else, maybe Grady Dick, if they like him. I don't know if he's going to make it that far at all. He might be more in the late lottery. But there's a couple guys they brought in for workouts that are more in that mid to late teens area that they, they might be targeting in there with a move up for sure. So you're talking about staying at seven, but then you know with a player and 26 moving up, further on the board to get somebody still in the first round, correct? Correct, yeah. I, I think it's more so that we might see more action from Indiana's perspective in the mid to late first round tonight. If a guy that like is falling down the board, I think there's a good chance that we might see him move up with that 26 pick. Mm, that's yeah. Okay, well, for example, let's just say if they stay at 26, uh, and I don't know what you believe the likelihood is, if they stay at 26, who might they target in that, that general vicinity? So a guy I really like is actually an international prospect from the New Zealand Breakers, John. His name is Ryan Rupert. He is a six foot seven wing, seven foot two wingspan, shot forty percent on threes. At least on paper, that sounds like a guy could really fit in Indiana. They need a defender, they need a shooter. He's only nineteen years old as well. He's one of the youngest prospects in this year's draft. He he was actually in here for a group workout a couple weeks ago in Indiana. So he could be a guy that makes some sense at twenty six or potentially in a small trade up that we mentioned before. So he's a guy to watch out for. I think Bryce Sensible out of Ohio State, a bulkier wing, a good scorer in the Big Ten. I think he makes a lot of sense too at that twenty six range. So those are a couple guys to look out for there at that range. Mm. Yeah. Jaime Jaquez was somebody else they have in there. That, yeah. that anybody yeah, that, that fits mention, it. Yeah, I forgot to mention him. He has really risen up the boards over the last couple of weeks in pre-draft workouts. He's reportedly been blowing those up. So I think there's actually a smaller chance of a guy like Jaime Jaquez making it to 26. But if he does make it there, they need shooting. I think he certainly checks the box there. So that's another good thing to bring up there, John, as far as potential options. All right. Um, you're going to go down and cover everything at the field house tonight, correct? I will be there. Yep, I will. I'm about to head down there actually now, so I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Make sure you uh, tell uh, tell Ryan Carr and Chad Buchanan I said hello. All right. <laughs> I will, will do. Will do. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Absolutely, Johnny. Anytime. Thank you. It's uh, Evan Sidery. I'm, I'm sorry, my head's a little messed up with all the uh, Paul George stuff right there. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know. Uh, what is he, 33? And I was hesitant to even bring it up because I saw that. And again, as I've mentioned, like 90% of this all turns into BS. But uh, yeah, that um, I can't imagine that. I'm trying to think other things that I could imagine far before that. And it's like an endless list, like a scroll of things. The Colts would win the uh, the Colts won the AFC South this year, and then for the next like five years before I could even consider that. Uh, interesting dialogue, and again, I warn you. I mean, there's all kinds of conversations going on here. Some will make some sense and excite you, and others will uh, mortify you a little bit. I'm sure. Evan Sidery, basketball news. 
via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I got tickets to give away. Brown County Music Center. It is a JMV show coming up in September. Your chance to win before the top of the hour. JJ, a little bit earlier. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. It is Draft Day 2023. Got you covered as we have all day long. 93.5107 by the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Hey, you going to stare all day or are you going to buy something? Uh, I'm going to stare all day. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, Evan Sidery basketball news with so many of the rumors floating around out there. And then one unexpected rumor I'm sure many of you are thrilled about. <laughs> RD said, this is exactly what I was thinking about here, RD. The Ravens will build a Bob Ursay statue before Paul George is a Pacer again. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking of, and I just needed you to put it in your incredible Twitter words right there. Well done. Uh, Sean writes this. Here's a bold prediction, JMV. Walker and Hendricks are gone by number seven. Doesn't matter because the Pacers were eyeballing Anthony Black the entire time. Most of the fan base will think it's a bad pick. It turns out an epic selection by Kevin Pritchard. Hashtag Pacers, hashtag Pacers draft night. I looked at that more with an Asar Thompson viewpoint. I almost made the mistake and said lens right there. Did you notice that? I almost said I, I was going to view. I'm viewing that through this lens. I need slapped if I say that or if I say checking the box. Seriously, if I ever say either one of those things, see me on the street and punch me. Checking the box. Now, obviously, I'm clear of the punching right now. I'm saying that with reason, but don't catch me saying that here. Hey, JMV, for the people that want OG Ananobi in a trade, remember they drafted TJ Leaf over him. I know everybody remembers that. If you want that type of player, draft him tonight. Save the money, injury concern, 2025 when Matherin and this year's class are ready to win. One more patient year. Go big at the deadline in 2025. Well, if everybody would be on board with that particular thing. No, listen, and I'll take that back, Fowler. On board with, you know, 2025 being in certainly a much stronger position, I just think a lot of people out there say, you know what, you know, why not, if you can do it right now and you have all these assets and all this flexibility, you know, why not do some things that not only would have longer-term benefit but would benefit right now? I certainly am willing to listen. Like I'll give you this. I'm not going to listen on behalf of Dorian Finney-Smith. But I will on Adenobi. I will on DeAndre Hunter. 
I will listen to that. Yeah, I just saw that a little bit earlier. Too. What does it say? The Hornets are now leaning towards Scoot. Scoot Henderson. Yeah, we shall see. I think the Thompson twins were just up on ESPN being being interviewed. What's now? Uh, AJMV, I accepted that Pritchard knows better than me after the Sabonis trade. Time and time again, he makes head-scratching moves, and each time they typically work out in our favor. So I no longer complain. I, I will tell you this. Um, there have been missteps in the past without question, but he he and they have been on a roll recently. And you don't blank with a streak, and they are on a streak. I don't feel confident on where they are right now. It's not like the way that it was. You go back, you're going into, for example, the Duarte draft selection. I mean, it was it really morale was so low, and oh, here we go again. This is going to be a mess. I'll give you a great example of that. When they brought in Grady Dick, and I know you saw some of this on Twitter because that's just how people react, and that's what you get on Twitter, just stupid stuff. For the most part. But when they brought him in there, you know, it wasn't like the, uh, for all, for some, there wasn't the immediate, hey, Plumley, hey, Leaf, hey, Goga, hey, Grade, here we go again, hey, there's Larry Bird, blah, blah, blah. It was the, oh, because they have done work recently, positively, and we have seen it, whether we're talking about in the draft a year ago or we're talking about, you know, the trade. You're talking about Halliburton, talking about the extension to Miles. You know, even with that misstep where they sidestepped that landmine of signing to an offer sheet, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, even with that, and that, that shows that's good fortune. You need good fortune, and good fortune most often comes from making good choices. It's funny how it works out that way. I mean, Aiden was good fortune. Can you imagine? And maybe Halliburton transforms him as well. But I'm just going by the story that has been and why a team that supposedly is so close to winning out there and is a win-now mentality can't hustle quick enough to try to get him the hell out of Dodge. So even in, you know, a bad decision, it turns out to be a good decision. Then you find out with Halliburton, you know, what 33 can do for you. And then a very cost-efficient two-year extension. So it worked out. And again, oftentimes, you make solid decisions and, you know, you get those back-to-back, you're on a bit of a run. And good fortune can come right along with you. Uh, JMV, that's awesome. Paul George is returning. He will look great next to Victor Wembayama when he falls to number seven because that isn't happening either. Yeah, that's about the same thing uh, as far as what the RD mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, no doubt about that. Crazy stuff right there. I just, I, I kind of sat there and I was just trying to logically think why. 
And, and again, that was just Evan coming up with, you know, the rumor mill from what he's heard and what he's read. But I was trying to make any sense out of how that at all could ever happen. You know, even with being on a podcast and saying really nice things about Indiana and what they're doing around here. Just a thought. All right, let me take a break, and we'll come back for a final time. Somebody's going to win some tickets. A JMV concert's happening coming up in September down at Brown County Music Center. It is Squeeze and the Psychedelic Furs. When you hear that re-entry from either one, that's going to be your cue to call. We are in studio tomorrow. I do have good news next week. We're on the road not once, not twice, but three days. At the brand-new Walk-Ons downtown on Meridian on Wednesday... Uh, Tavern Tour Stop with Heaven Hill Distillery and our betting analyst Brent Halverson. That's coming up on Thursday of next week. Irias, this the legendary Irias. First time that I've ever done a remote there. I cannot wait for that. That's coming up. That is a week from today. And then I believe I'm at Grand Park next week with the Indy 11. But three times next week, you guys can come out and hang with us. I'm telling you, walk-ons on Wednesday... And Irea's for a tavern tour stop on Thursday. That is going to be it. So that is coming up next week. Your chance to win. We'll close out this draft day show with you, me, and a lot more. That's coming up on the other side next. Hang tight. The Ride with JMV. And you're nothing but a chameleon, lemon-headed, coward, talent, and I'm after you, buddy. You're going to pay for it. Good night. Thank you very much, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, This was on the soundtrack of Valley Girl. 1983, and the reason why I bring that up is Valley Girl was on last night. Uh, I don't know. Nicholas Cage had that incredible run. My man won an Academy Award, too, by the way, with leaving Las Vegas, right? Didn't he? But had that um, action hero run. But you go back and you look at, I love Valley Girl. By the way, that's Psychedelic Furs. Psychedelic Furs coming up the 22nd of September. That's a JMV show. Psychedelic Furs and Squeeze at the Brown County Music Center. BrownCountyMusicCenter.com for your tickets. You should, you got to go there anyway and check out all the shows that they have coming up. But that one, tickets up for grabs, number nine at 239-1070 right now. But you look at some of the shows they have coming up. Some humdingers. Uh, I am going to see, you almost had me say it again. If this was somebody different, if there's somebody that's not, ruled out forever the quote checking all the boxes i would have said i'm going to check a box on the 2nd of august with boss gags that's awesome but not check out browncountymusiccenter.com call and ask for my friend christian down there they have fantastic shows all summer long into the fall And I promise you this, you will absolutely love the venue. I saw Psychedelic Furs about a year and a half ago at the Vogue. Awesome. Squeeze and Psychedelic Furs, that is a JMV show. Yeah, but getting back to uh, Valley Girl, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Nicolas Cage is acting in that 
in far be it for me to judge an actor and the acting chops, but you watch that and why it's incredibly enjoyable because you remember the time and the era if you're a member of Generation X or older. But he's so terrible. <laughs> and the the shaved in a triangle chest hair. There you go. He's a high school senior. He looked like he was 35 years old. Great film, though. Valley Girl. Great music. Great soundtrack. And congratulations if you won those tickets to go to that show. I promise you that will be a great one. I saw this from Chris Haynes a little bit earlier. Draft day. Uh, going to transition into draft night. So far, number 20, I should say, number seven overall for the Pacers. They did make a deal today with the Lakers. They moved back from 40 to 47 tonight in the second round with that deal. But also get cash considerations. $4.35 million. So that is enough to bring back Chess King in the Bloomington College Mall. Actually, that may be enough to bring back Chess King and County Seat in the Bloomington College Mall. Maybe even Wicks and Sticks. But that's what they did today. And we talked to Evan Sider, and he mentioned the consolidation of picks and such. And J.J. also said this. Jeremiah Johnson, back in the 4 o'clock hour of Bally Sports Indiana, had mentioned that you know maybe you don't judge entirely how exciting tonight is. Maybe you judge the next three weeks for the work that the Pacers are doing. Uh, We shall see. But Chris Haynes was writing this via Twitter a little bit earlier, about 12 minutes or so ago. There's growing sentiment in Toronto that Pascal Siakam, who, by the way, is on an expiring deal, would not re-sign with a team who attempts to trade for him as his preference is to remain in Toronto. So Siakam's name has been bounced around, most notably in Portland, with Portland trying to decide what they want to do with what they want to do with regards to their star, Damian Lillard. But you now it looks like that he wants to ultimately end up back in Toronto with whatever happens. Uh, Frank Lucas says, Valley Girl is cinematic bliss with crazy good soundtrack. It is. I'm going to tell you what. The girl's mom was uh, smoke <laughs> But the soundtrack was great. Skivvy says, Cage was better in Fast Times at Ridgemont High than he was in Valley Girls because he didn't have any lines. What, do he have maybe one line in Fast Times? You know, way too many lines. In Valley Girl. Still great, though. I mean, still great. I can't imagine. Yeah, the Paul George story a little bit earlier from Evan Sider, it was fairly entertaining to all out there. And again, that's just rumored stuff right there. Brandon Miller's odds to go number two overall. This is according, I believe, DraftKings. Now leapfrog back above Scoot Henderson. Three hours to go if you take that into consideration about who is going to go number two after uh, Victor Wembayama. And a big deal today that we talked about a little bit earlier, Jordan Poole, who uh, signed a a high-dollar extension in Golden State, 
has, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, been traded to the Washington Wizards. That for Chris Paul, and as we know that the Wizards are in a massive rebuild, but what's maybe more interesting is Chris Paul being placed into a starting lineup in Golden State, which obviously has Steph Curry, and that's always going to give you an incredible chance in anything. And going deep into the postseason, which is you know what their expectation is going to be. But a lineup, and obviously you look at Steph Curry and you go, whoa. But Chris Paul, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, assuming he does return, as expected, and Clay Thompson. And I love Clay Thompson, but Clay Thompson, after you know two major injuries, is just not the same. He can still stroke the lights out, but he's not the same. And I know that you're going for it right now, but that just seems like an odd path to take to go for it right now. And it's interesting because they still have some younger dudes in Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga that a lot of people, especially in Kaminga's case, believe that he's going to get dealt. And I'm thinking they don't have enough time to wait for these dudes right now. That just doesn't seem like a starting five that really jolts a lot of frightened looks in the opposition's huddle. To me, it doesn't. All right, we'll find out coming up tomorrow. I believe we're going to have whomever is drafted on the show coming up tomorrow. Wish I knew who it was. Uh, Jess Walker is who I'm going with. Uh, Again, that's probably the most popular opinion floating around out there. Uh, We shall see. Uh, We'll have it for you coming up tomorrow. You won't miss a thing. Jeremiah Johnson, Evan Sidery. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Well done, James. Out of you. We'll have you completely covered. Some Bobby Marks on this program coming up tomorrow as well. You guys have been fantastic. Even with the infighting inside the lounge via YouTube Live, job well done today. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully tonight is fantastic. We shall see. We'll report back tomorrow right here at 3. Have a great night. Enjoy the draft. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.